Let's pray together. Be still and know that I am the Lord. We come before you, Lord Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you again today. If you have your Bibles, find your place. Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. If you've been with us before, you know that we're talking these days about this important theme of remembering our Creator. And we've been working our way through Genesis chapter 1, and now we're in chapter 2. We're working our way through these first chapters of the book of Genesis with some very important themes topics that we need to be reminded of these days. And if you're a guest with us today, please let us know if we can help you in any way. May the Lord bless you uh, during these days of your life. And we want to help you in any way we can. Genesis chapter number two. Last week we talked about the fact that God has created us male or female. And so if we're here today and you've been born a male, then live as a man of God for the glory of God. If you've been born a woman, live as a woman of God for the glory of God. This is our identity. This is how we do our work. This is the way in which God has seen fit for us to come onto this earth and for our life to be made. He saw us before we were born. Now here you are in time and space. And so what you do with your life matters. And so we want to think about that together and tied to the fact that God made us male and female. He then designed for us this great, great institution we call marriage. So today we'll talk about God's design for marriage from the Word of God. And all of the Word of God builds upon these truths about marriage. The law of God comes to talk about marriage. And then we learn under the gospel what it is to live for the Lord and what, the mar what marriage looks like in relationship to Christ and the church. So today let's read together. You've had just a moment to settle in. Uh, Genesis chapter number two, we'll begin reading in verse number 21. If I'm going to remember my creator, then I must understand the importance of living and honoring God in my marriage the way God designed it. Genesis chapter two, beginning in verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep uh, to fall upon the man. And he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at the place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our focal truth today is this, that Almighty God, Almighty God has designed, ordained, whatever word you want to use, He has created, 
He has invented marriage exclusively between one man to one woman, one woman to, one, to, to a man, for life. Almighty God made marriage, designed marriage, exclusively between a man and a woman to one another for their lifetime. This is such an important topic for us today. As we share the gospel, I talk with the pastors about this a lot. In order to disciple people, we have to help them through all the circumstances of life. And I must say now, after close to 50 years of doing ministry and serving as a pastor, uh, the, the, the damage and the broken lives uh, from broken marriages is uh, uh, indescribable. I've seen it from the earliest of my days in ministry. And today what I want to say to you, I want to speak to you as your pastor. I also want to speak to you as a man who is married to one woman uh, for 48 years. And I'm thankful for Pat. And I'm thankful so I was 19 years old. How, how could it be? I went from my mother to another mother. Thank God she took care of me. And I'm grateful for that. I don't want to speak with flippancy. I want to talk to you about something very important. I'm not saying that to you to brag because perhaps your marriage has ended in divorce, but I want to remind you there is a standard in the Word of God. I want to remind the students who are hearing my voice today or anyone else who might hear my voice, those listening online and also to our boys and girls, regardless of what kind of family you have and what kind of situation your mom and dad are in and the marriage that they have is in, this is God's standard for marriage. And so today, that is my focus. Today is not my uh, time to talk to you about how we work through broken marriages. That's important for us to talk about. But today we go back to the Word of God and we see, we see what is God's plan and purpose <coughs> for marriage. Look, if you spend a little bit more time on your marriage, you're going to help your children. You're going to help your grandchildren. If you spend a little bit more time on your marriage, you're going to help your husband or you're going to help your wife. How do you help your husband? How do you help your wife? You spend time. You work on your marriage. This is what I want us to talk about today. You see, God ordained that marriage be a public commitment of one man to one woman for life, <clears throat> without apology. I'm saying to you, marriage isn't for a season, then you, like a pair of shoes, trade in the old one for a new pair. Marriage is to one man, to one woman, one woman to one man, for your lifetime. So if you're as me now, in my late 60s and started before I was 20, Pat's been dealing with me for a long time. And I've been dealing with her for a long time. Marriage is not a private, but a public issue. You see, I, I have my wedding ring on today. This is part of our responsibility and our custom. I wear my wedding ring. I've made vows. I've made promises to another. When that other one is not with me, I still have a testimony on my hand. It's a public matter. Living with another person outside of covenant marriage is a sin before God. It's not God's design. 
There are commitments, there are vows that must be made in marriage. This is the standard of God. Regardless of the world and Hollywood and everybody else's portrayal of what it is, these are the things we treasure from the Word of God. These are the matters we teach our children. Whether they obey them or not, we teach them to our grandchildren. And even those who come from broken homes must understand this is God's standard when it's their turn to consider being married. The, attack on, the attacks on marriage, I'm not going to stand up here and talk about that and waste our time with that. The reality is that the world's influence on people's values and opinions about marriage is great, but the Word of God has declared itself and the design of God for marriage is clear, so you will choose either to obey God or disobey God. And there are all kinds of blessings or curses that come based on your decision related to marriage. Uh, the, law, the law world, the legal world is filled. Oh, it's filled with issues related to misunderstanding and disobeying God in marriage. Children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, generations, as we'll see soon in the Word of God, are affected when marriage <clears throat> and God's standards are ignored and sin and selfishness reign. So there, there is an importance for us to stand as God's people and unapologetically describe what I'm saying. We stand as God's people and honor Jesus and declare that marriage is exclusively between a man and a woman, a woman and a man for their lifetime. Exceptions to that and other aberrations are beyond Scripture. Now, with that said, I want you to see three observations that I want to make today, especially from verse 24. Some of you are going to know exactly what I'm going to say, and here's, going to, here's, the, here's the challenge of what's about to happen. Some of you are going to go to autopilot. Some of you are going to switch off and say, okay, checkbox, Pastor Mike's going to talk about marriage. No way. If you're married today, I'm talking to you about your marriage today. I don't care how long you've been married, I'm talking to you about your marriage today. So you have a responsibility to hear this in order that you don't, don't push this away and say, oh yes, I've heard all this before. Well, are you living what you've heard before? See, this is the question. What is the condition of your marriage today? Not, I'm not asking what it was like the day you had goo-goo eyes for each other and you fell in love and it was the first week. I'm talking about today. What is the condition of your marriage? You see, the condition of the marriages of this church have a lot to do with our effectiveness in sharing the gospel and living as holy people. So I take this matter very seriously. Of my time spent in ministry, of my time spent in ministry, all these years, well over 80% of my time and I'm glad to do it, is sitting with men and women, talking with them about their marriages as a pastor, not as a counselor, as a pastor, trying to talk about things for them, not spending my time on other things that have to do with discipleship because of the great issues related to sin in marriage and people not doing what God's called them to do and living by His standards. So we read again verse 24, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So from these words I have these three observations for you. Marriage between a man 
and a woman is leaving. Marriage is leaving father and mother for one another for life. Don't rationalize what I'm saying. Don't, don't make your own rationalization. It's leaving. It's leaving, and I want to emphasize it in just a moment. Marriage between a man and a woman. When you stood and said, I do. When you made your commitment and your vows and your promises, it was not to your mama and your daddy. It was to your mate. It was to your spouse. Marriage between a man and a woman is leaving father and mother for one another for all of life. Number two, marriage between a man and a woman is joining to one another for life. And it's all of life you're joining. It's not something you did when you stood with the preacher. It's not something you did one, the night of your honeymoon. It's what you do every day as you build your relationship and strengthen it. You join together as a man with his wife and a wife with her husband. I want you to, I want you to notice here, even in the text, the text uses this very important phrase, wife. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. It is the focus and responsibility of a husband to be joined uh, to his wife and a wife to be joined to her husband. I'm going to elaborate on it because it's important for us to think about these things together. And I want all of our next generations to hear and understand clearly what we believe about these matters. And then finally, marriage between a man and a woman is uniting uh, to one another for life. It is uniting. It's leaving. It's joining and it's uniting together. So let's go back to this. For this reason, the first marriage takes place here in the garden. What a beautiful picture it is. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Verse 22, the Lord God, the Lord God, Almighty God, Yahweh Elohim fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. Please notice, and who gives this woman to this man? God. God gave the woman to the man. God gave the woman to the man. Read it in your Bible there. Think about it. Don't dismiss these things. This is not a myth. This is not a happy thought. This is the written word of God clearly given to us to remind us God set up and ordained and instituted marriage. He brought her to the man. It is between a man and a woman, a woman and a man. You see, marriage is the result of a man and a woman being connected and fitted and made for each other. This is why Adam says, this is now bone of my bones in verse 23 and flesh of my flesh. There is this connectedness now, this glorious perfection God has made between the sexes for us to come together. And so marriage is a forsaking, it is a leaving. It is a leaving father and mother for one another for life. I'm uh, 19 years old and Pat, my grandmother, uh, God rest her soul, loved Jesus, was such a good influence in my life. I, I learned so many things from her. She said to me several things when I was getting married. I neglected to mention one of them this morning. Be who you is. Because if you be who you ain't, then you ain't who you is. That's what she said to me. 
<clears throat> and you better remember that. She wanted me to know that. She knew Pat. She loved Pat. So I go over there one day. Pat's not with me. I don't even know if I've told Pat this. <clears throat> I go over there, 19. I'm trying to help her with the yard, doing some things, help my, my uh, grandmother who was widowed. And so she comes in there, and, and I was doing my favorite thing. Hot Oklahoma day, and I had the wonderful experience of drinking a Dr. Pepper out of a glass bottle out of her refrigerator. It was a wonderful experience. I still think about it right now. And thank you, those of you, thank you, those of you who've dropped off Dr. Peppers at my office. I appreciate it. I'll drink them and remember you and pray for you. But I'm standing, I'm standing there just trying to do my thing. And my grandmother took a plate out of the cabinet. And she said, so you're going to get married to Pat. Yes, ma'am, I am. I'm, don't you think that's good? She said, see this plate? Yes, I see this plate. You take this home and you break this plate because your plate at the house with your mama is over. Have you ever heard of breaking the plate? That's what it means to leave mama and daddy. Some of you still got the plate. You still got mama's plate. You love mama's plate. You appreciate mama's plate. You want to go and have mama fill your plate. But you see, my grandmother reminded me it's no longer about my mother and my dad. It's about Pat and me. Now she said, break this plate and go get your own plate for you and Pat. Have you broken the plate? You're laughing, but have you broken the plate? I can't tell you how many years I've listened to try to talk to people who mama and daddy are the ones sitting in between the two people I'm talking to. Mama and daddy aren't in the room, but mama and daddy might as well be there because there hasn't been any leaving mama and daddy. I didn't say you have to live across the country. I didn't say you have to change your geography and move somewhere else. But if you live close to them, you got to remember, it ain't mama and daddy anymore. It's your husband and or your wife. You leave them, you break the plate. There is a forsaking of your childhood dependence on mother and father and parents, mothers and fathers, must break the dependence of their children when they're married. Say goodbye to them, kiss them, love them, support them, but don't get in between them. Marriage is breaking this dependence. It is leaving, it is leaving your love for mother and daddy and replacing it with a greater love for your husband or your wife. It is letting go of your family time with your mother and your father. Oh, you say to your spouse, well, you know, this is when mama wants us over here. Well, who cares what mama wants? What are we gonna do as a family? You see, this becomes important. And to those of you, as your children grow up, they're not there yet, and they get married, here's what you better, take it from somebody who learned. You gotta get in line. You gotta get in line, and you're not first anymore when your children marry with their mate. You get in line. You go in whatever order helps them best to build a strong marriage. You see, they called Rebecca. The slave went and found Rebekah. What a wonderful choice for Isaac. And said to her, you need to go with us. And so her family come, and this is in Genesis 24. And they say to Rebekah, will you go with this man to meet your husband? And she said, I will go. And she left. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Genesis 28. 
And he said, you cannot take a wife from the daughters of the Canaanites. Go to the house of Bethel, your mother's father, and from there take yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And he did. He left, and he left his father and mother and went. Proverbs 31 says, what a rare find is a capable wife. I hear a lot of people, and students, listen to me today. I'm trying to be your friend. It's important for you to determine what your career is going to be. It's important for you to find the right job that matches. It's important for you to find the right kinds of friends. But the greatest hunt you're on is to find the husband or the wife that you will have all the days of your life. The Song of Songs is nothing but a beautiful song about the beauty of marriage of one man to one woman for life. We read in here the words at the very beginning. What's the call? What's the call of the bridegroom? Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along with me. It's leaving. It's leaving. When the wedding is being planned, when you stand on the platform, you leave. You leave united to a husband or a wife. You see, marriage begins with leaving our dependence upon our mothers and our fathers. We go and we figure out with the help of God how to make it without mama and daddy and daddy and mama. This is so important for us to know. This is at the heart of marriage. You cannot be joined together with other people. You cannot be joined together with mama and daddy. You have to be joined together alone exclusively to your spouse. And I am appealing and I'm speaking to you with emotion because of all of the years of witnessing this where who is it talking to those persons in the room when their relationship isn't right? It's their mother. They can hear their mother in their ear. They can hear their father in their ear. You see, the most important issue is making sure you have boundaries set between yourself and your spouse in your marriage and your mother and father. So this is of critical importance. You live independent of your mother and your father. Marriage between a man and a woman is joining together. It's joining together. This word joined in the Hebrew language, it's an idea of attachment. It's really, the the best word is the word devotion. Devotion. We talk a lot about our devotional life here to the Lord. That means you pray regularly. That means you get up in the morning and you spend time with God in His Word. You pray. You're devoted to the Lord Jesus. You are devoted to Him. I ask you today, all of you who are married, who have a ring on your finger, are you devoted to your husband or your wife? Do you show by the way you live by the way you set your time, by the way that you determine your values and your money and all that you do, you express through the way you live devotion to your spouse. Are you, re- are you showing to your spouse the love relationship God intends for us to do? You see, joining together is learning to love our husband and our wife, and that's far beyond romantic love, though that's a part of it. It's very important. But it grows throughout life in your relationship with your mate. I love Genesis 24. Isaac brought her 
uh, to his mother's tent who had, who had died and he took Rebekah and she became his wife and the word of God says, and he loved her. Look, you men here, you manly men of Dixon, you manly men of Dixon, are you man enough to love your wife? Are you man enough to love your wife? Man up. Demonstrate the love that Christ had for the church. Do you love your wife? Women who are here, do you love your husband? Do you love your husband for who he is? Do you love your wife for who she is? Listen to these precious, wonderful, tender words from the Song of Songs. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's the, anticip that's the anticipation of a wife to be with her husband. For your love is better than wine. Your oils have a pleasing fragrance. Your name, this is a woman speaking about her husband. Your name is like purified oil. Therefore the maidens love you. Draw me after you and let us run together. That's the loving desire of a wife for her husband. It's the same, it's the same desire of a husband for a wife, my, we go on, we see this admiration they had for one another. My beloved is dazzling. He is wholly desirable, the wife says. And how beautiful and delightful you are, my love, with all your charms, says the husband of his wife. Look, how do you talk to your mate? How do you talk to your husband or your wife? It's not talking to them like they're some slave. It's not talking to them like they're your servant. It's not talking to them like they're a, a bother. It's not talking to them like they're a junkyard dog. How do you speak to them? You see, joining together is joining together in a loving, admirable, supportive relationship of submission. This is why Paul says what he says about marriage. It's well known. We all know these words. It's the matter of whether we do these words, not that we know them. I'll read them to you again. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. As the church is subject to Christ, listen to the phrase, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So husbands ought, Paul says. This is our ought, this is our duty, this is our obligation. Whether we're a wife or a husband in marriage, to fulfill our roles as God's designed them. The husband ought to love their own wife as their own body. Listen to me, men. He who loves his own wife loves himself. You can see a lot about what you think about yourself by the way you treat not your employees, not your children, but your wife. This becomes our obligation. You see, it is reflecting the glory of Christ's relationship to the church. That is the grand picture of marriage that we learn about under the gospel. But I want to remind you of what happened to all of you. You see, marriage is based on your promise. Leaving is like breaking a plate, but you stood one day in front of a preacher. I can't count. I, I, I try to keep track of all the weddings that I've done through the years. We spend a lot of time in wed, you know, preparing for a wedding. You know, they tell me, to, now, Pastor Mike, you know, wear these clothes, 
wear this now. You have to wear this and you have to make sure you stand here. And these are all the songs. And we talk about a lot of, a lot of things about the service while I'm thinking my whole time. The most important thing for you is the choice you're about to make. Listen to me today. Perhaps next, I would believe next to your choice of following Jesus, the most important decision you, many of you have already made it, some of you have not made it yet, will be your choice of who you marry. And though the world puts this aside, I want to remind you of what some preacher said to you back in the day. You stood there and he said, repeat these words after me. I, man, take you, woman, whatever their name. I will love you. I will honor you. I will keep you for better, for worse, before it happens. It hasn't happened yet. I've stood so many years and so many times saying these words, thinking to myself, do these young people really know what they're saying? Do they really understand when they get in the worse? Do they remember they said not just the good times, but better for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, for as long as we live, not for as long as it's convenient, not for as long as it's better, not for as long as we're richer, not for as long as I can get what I want, but for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, for as long as we both shall live until at death we part. You see, this is a permanent decision. You get all worried. You're going to go to the bank. Well, boy, this is going to... We're about to buy this house. Oh, this is quite a decision. Should we buy it? Should we go and sign the paper? Oh, what a decision. But buying a house and a decision to buy a house is nothing to compare to you standing, to you standing and declaring publicly your vows and your promise to another human being for life. You see, friends, this is the importance of marriage. This is about your life. And you, once you say, I do, once the fanfare's over and the honeymoon ends and life begins every day in the routine of life, your method of joining together, your method of showing devotion to one another becomes very important. Look, it's easy to show devotion for a little while, but when it's hard when it's difficult, when life crashes in on your marriage, are you going to hold on? Are you going to stand there and honor your word? I've had people say, well, I'll tell you what, Brother Mike, I keep my word. Well, have you kept your word in your marriage? Have you lied in your marriage? Have you been undevoted in your marriage? You've been devoted to everything else. Boy, boy, look, people at work would say, now that's one of the most devoted people I've ever seen. Do they see it in your marriage? Do they see it in the way you treat your wife? Do they see it in the way you treat your uh, husband? You see, this is the matter that we have. As Christians, we have a responsibility to live by the help of the Holy Spirit as men and women married to one person for life. And I want to tell you, some of you younger ones married in here, we have a whole lot of people in this church who've been married a long time, coming up on 50 years and longer. And I would give you some advice. 
Find you a couple that's been married the longest you know and go sit down and have dinner with them. And don't be the one talking. Let them talk to you. Now they're a little older. It may take a little longer. It may frustrate you. Just go listen and don't talk to your mom and dad. Go talk to somebody you don't know and let them talk to you about what it means to be married 50, 60, 70 years together. You see, this is our obligation. What does the world have to look at around marriage if they don't have Christian marriages to look at? How are they going to know the difference? This is about your word. Finally, marriage between a man and a woman is uniting to one another. You, we want to get to this thing about one flesh marriage, but it starts in the way you join together. And joining together is devotion at all levels of your life, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Marriage is beyond physical. It's all of these things. And in the right order, it's a wonderful thing. You see, before you're married, you join together with somebody spiritually. You find out if they love Jesus. Any of you young people in here haven't been married. Well, look. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, look at his hair. It's so wavy. Oh, he's just lovely. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but does he love Jesus? Does he care about God? Does he have a devotional life? Is he committed to follow Jesus? You men, oh, look at her. Oh, my soul. Where, look at that. She's like, she looks like a Hollywood actress. Well, does she love Jesus? Does she walk with God? You see, this is a matter of joining together. You, if you can't pray together, how can you, this is what the old preacher said, lay together. Ah, oh, now that's a lot of good there. That's the order it ought to be. You pray together before you lay together. Yes, sir, the old preacher said it right. But nowadays we lay together and we never pray together. This is the world's way. You see, it's almost like we're talking, old Pastor Mike said, a, a dinosaur up there. What is he talking about? Is this really real? Is this really what happens? Yes. You're a part of a church where many people are still joining together even after 50 years. They're still joining together and growing in their relationship toward this. Are you ready? Last phrase. I know how much time I have, but I'm going to finish this today. You need to hear it. They shall become one flesh. You break the plate and leave. Then you join to the other one or you cleave as the King James. Leave, cleave, and then one fleshment comes. Marriage is making two people whole. What does one flesh mean? This Hebrew word has the idea of completeness. You see... It was not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And then what happens? God brings the woman so that this man has a wife. And this woman has a husband. And they experience what God designs. Completeness. One fleshness in marriage is spiritual union. It's emotional union. It's sexual union. One flesh is, is a condition that is inseparable. This is the beauty of it. The longer you walk with Jesus and you're married and you're joining together, you experience this joy, this wonderful experience of completeness. So as they usually did, uh, the, the doctors of the Jews were trying to trick Jesus. They were all worried about whose wife a man would be, all of made up story of the man dies, who's the, who's the woman going to be married to? And the Lord finally said it this way. He said, 
He said, what therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. He says, what does it say in Scripture? The two shall become one flesh. Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted you to divorce. You know why people get divorced? I understand there's an exception. I understand there are other issues. But look, we're talking about the standard here. Hardness of heart. Selfishness. Selfishness. I need him to do this. And I need her to do this. Not devotion. Not submission and love to the other. No, I need them. Demands. Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, our Lord said this, commenting, these are the Lord Jesus. This is the Lord's commentary on Genesis 2, 24. From the beginning it has not been so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another commits adultery. Oh, you see, the world makes marriage Getting out of a marriage easy, but God's standard is quite high, quite high. So whom I pick, I'm committed to for life. Listen to these precious words from the Song of Songs. I am, this is what you say when you experience one fleshness in a marriage. You may not have experienced it yet. You think that means just having sex together. It's not. It's far more than laying together and praying together. It's living life together. One fleshness is an experience of being together in all of the seasons of life, for better, for worse, richer, poor, sickness, health. Listen to these wonderful, precious words. Song of Songs 6, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. That's one fleshness. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Listen, Psalm of Song of Songs 7, I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. Is that true for you in your marriage today? You see, divorce, unfaithfulness, homosexual marriages, polygamy are all sins before God. And they destroy God's design for lifelong marriage between one man and one woman for life. So you see, this is what we learn from God's Word today. Marriage between a man and a woman, oh, that's quite important. That's really important. You better give a lot of time to thinking about this choice. You better give a lot of time to this decision you're about to make. You know why? Listen to old Pastor Mike. Listen, marriage leaves a permanent mark on your mind, your will, your emotions, and oh, by the way, on all the children that are born into that marriage. They'll it, it's a permanent mark. When mom and daddy don't live together anymore, it affects the children. It affects the grandchildren. It can affect multiple generations to the second and third generation. This is so important for us to hear today because this is how, God, this is how we glorify God. We glorify God by staying with one person that we've committed ourselves to and put a ring on our finger for all of our life. We, we give ourselves to that person and be, when we do that, it leaves a permanent mark. When you experience one fleshness, all of a sudden, it's like you read each other's minds. And Pat can be in a room, I can be in a room, we can be all separated up and something's going on and we look at each other. We're thinking the same thing. That's pretty scary. We're thinking the same thing. We get in the car and say the same words. That's pretty scary. 
all of a sudden your emotions come together. You, you used to have your own pr pr preferences, but anymore it's what do you want or what do you want? It becomes something. Some of you young ones who've been married a few years, don't pride yourself. Don't pride yourself in already experiencing all that one fleshman is. I tell you, it's an experience that you learn all of the years of your married life. You have some goals. You have some duties. You're not done. Just because you love Jesus and you made a commitment and right now you don't want to divorce your husband or wife. Well, that, that's, that's just, that's where you start. Now your job is to leave and join and unite. Leave, join, and unite. Leave, join, and unite. So what do we remember today from these things? Number one, as I've said, marriage is a covenant agreement. You're going to stand in front of a crowd, and you're going to stand in the presence of God, and you are going to make a vow. And you're going to make a promise to another person and you're going to put a ring on your finger to seal the fact that you made a promise. All of it based on a promise. Wait, wait a minute. No, no time have I ever had them say to me, now, Pastor Mike, we're going to do the wedding. Now, look, here's the contract. Here's the contract. And we've written it all down very carefully. And we'll put it right here on the table by you while you're doing the ceremony. And we'll make sure that before we finish, you read all the obligations of the contract and then we'll sign it before we say, I do. No, when you get married, you basically pledge your word. So I'm going to ask you today, how good is your word? How good is your word? You living up to your promise? You living up to, well, not she. No, what I had to say about she. Well, he, I didn't say about he. I'm talking about you. Are you living up to your promise? Are you committed and are you backing up and living with devotion to your husband or your wife? Better, worse, rich or poor, sickness, health. Well, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Well, congratulations. That's the way the world goes. That's the way life goes. You didn't think that was going to happen, but it does. Life happens when you get married. And you've made a commitment regardless of what happens. And marriage gives life fulfillment. I, we could spend a, an entire time talking about real fulfillment. This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She was taken out of man. There is nothing more fulfilling than finding that person God has for you and marrying them and living life together in the joys and sadness, the victories and the pain together for all of your life. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, men. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. A fellow said to me one time, look, I've had some people say some strange things to me. He says to me, not here, in another place. Well, my wife, she just, she doesn't look as well as she used to. I said, well, have you looked in the mirror lately? You look pitiful too. Congratulate you. What do you think she thinks about you? I know. You say, well, that's the way you pastoral counsel. I, I'm just trying to say, that's a silly thing to say. So you, you don't like the way your wife looks. Okay. It leads me to my last thing. Be careful who you marry. It's for life. Now I'm going to add what Pat's famous words are. You want to know what Pat says? 
Pat, I love you, but this is good. They need to hear this. So people will say to us through the years, complaining about their husband. Generally, it's the women coming to talk to Pat about how pitiful her husband is or what they should be doing and how they need to be straightened out. And Pat will say to them, well, you picked him. You picked him. How's that working for you? I would add to it. You picked him or her, so go make it work. That's what I'd say to you. Oh, it's just so hard. I've been talking to Mama about it. That's part of you. Right there. There you can stop. It's so hard. I text Mama about it every day. Turn your phone off and start talking to your husband about it, not your mama. But daddy come by the other day and he had some, it doesn't matter. It matters what you say to your husband. You said I do when you had goo goo eyes. You said I do when everything was on the up and up. You said I do when you had on all those pretty clothes. Standing there with a bunch of people celebrating eating cake. But now, life's come along. Troubles have come your way. You've got to trust Jesus and walk together through the storm. You picked Him. You picked her. So go work it out. And I promise you this. If you'll go to the Lord together as a couple, God will help you find the way forward to the glory of God. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord Jesus is near the door. Oh, the warfare, the birth pangs, as the Lord said, are rapidly increasing. Some of you still don't believe it. Some of you are asleep. But like the days of Noah, they were getting married and being given in marriage and God came and shut the door on the ark. The Lord Jesus is coming. Your marriage must be its best for the honor and glory of God. And whatever, however many years you've been married, get busy. Continue to devote yourself to one another and love your spouse in the way God would have you do it so that the, the gospel is is honored in a world where people don't even know what marriage looks like. That's why we're here, so that we might testify to how God can put people together, keep them together for His honor and glory for a lifetime. So we pray, come Lord Jesus.